Before you hear their names announced at Rogers Center, you'll first hear them on Around the Nest, Jay talking around the Blue Jays minor league system. It's time to Jay talk once again around the Blue Jays organization. From single A Lansing to A Advanced Dunedin, double A New Hampshire, and triple A Buffalo. I'm Jesse Goldberg Strassler with the Lansing Lugnuts, and we begin with Jim Terabokia and the A Advanced Dunedin Blue Jays. Jim, how are you? Yes, I'm doing well, buddy. Nice to talk to you. How are you? I'm doing very well. All right, let's start things up talking about your DJs. And I want to begin at the advanced level with this. Uh, just looking at some of the pitching performances, they've really stood out to me. Joey Murray, in particular, two gems since last we talked. How did Joey look to you? You know, he, he looks uh, like the Joey Murray that we've grown accustomed to. Um, very sharp, hitting his spots, very good command. But that's, that's really our, our entire starting staff right now. I mean, the starting staff is ERA sub 2.5 here in the last 20 games. So um, uh, whatever's working with that starting staff, it's certainly working. And, um, uh, I mean, that, that, that helps out a lot. And when Joey pitches like that, when our offense, which struggled a bit this week, um, uh, is, is struggling, um, you know, that, 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 to have that um, good pitching from Joey and, and from um, uh, Al Geyer, um, that, that, that's huge for uh, our entire team. And, and, um, and I was very excited about seeing Joey Murray this year. Um, you know, when he came up with us, but I'm, I'm even more excited to watch him, how he evolves here uh, over the course of the season. That's exactly what I circled was your starting pitching performances. I'm, I started with Joey Murray, but I didn't have to start yeah. there. I could have gone to Justin Dillon. I could have gone to Nick Allgaier. Heck, you could have went, yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, even Maximo last Sunday, which he wasn't at his best, but he was still very good. Um, you know, Justin, I talked to him today. I asked him, you know, how's your curveball? feeling you know coming out of your hand he said a lot better and uh, I remember he, uh, he told me before his last start that um, he felt horrible throwing his curveball so I said I joked him I said you probably should talk to me and just have a nice conversation about anything for your start and your curveball you know work to you what you want it to be um, but no I I, I, uh, I really talking to him about it and, and and understanding what he's trying to do out there on the mound his curveball is really working well and um, it's really shown uh, in his last start. And, and you look at Al Geyer, again, just a guy who you we're going to see him tomorrow. You can rely on every fifth day to give you a quality start and keep your team in the game. And, and well, our offense, I think even when we're struggling, um, that, that's, that's uh, really helping us. And looking over the notes that you passed along to me from your DJ's media packet, I'm fascinated by, even though the offense has gone quiet recently, the early offense, how good the DJ's offense this year has been in the first four innings of games. Yeah, and it sets the tone, right? I mean, I think that really ties in with our starting pitching uh, and allowing them to get comfortable out there on the mound, knowing that they, they have a lead. And, you know, I think that's, that's something, you know, you look, if you want to look at, at, at saber metrics and advanced metrics, traditional metrics, it doesn't really, that, that part to me, it, it doesn't matter, you know, when you're scoring early in games, that's setting the tone mentally. And uh, that's what we've pretty much done all year long. We've done here over a stretch. And, you know, if I can point to one thing or at least one or two things that are real, that have propelled us this year to at one point being 13 games over 500, which actually we are today coming into the game, uh, our season high uh, and the best record in the league, most wins in the league, best winning percentage up and down this Toronto organization. I can point to the starting pitching and I can point to scoring early. And, and those are the two things to me that, that have really helped this ball club all year long. And going back to those notes, this is the best winning percentage for the DJs 
since going back to 2016, is this the best DJ sure. team as a whole that you've seen since last, since you arrived in Dunedin? Well, I, I arrived in 2017. Uh, I think so, and I, I think it's better than the 2017 championship team. Um, and I told Gil Kim that, our farm director, and he kind of uh, looked at me with a look like, oh, really? And I explained why, and, he, and, and it started to make sense to him. Uh, I think up and down the lineup, even with losing Riley Adams, and if we lose another one or two guys here, um, you know, in the second half or in the future, we still have a very, very uh, stacked lineup up and down. We've got guys that have some power. We've got guys at the bottom of the order that can get on base. Uh, and, and we've got a guy in the leadoff spot in Cal Stevenson who can pretty much bat anywhere in the order outside of maybe number four or five if you want to look at the lineup traditionally because he may not have as much power, but he certainly can hit his home run. Um, so, I, I, you know what, I, I, this lineup, we, and then we look at the starting pitching, and then you look at the back end of the bullpen, Danny Jimenez and um, Brad Wilson, another guy like Cal Stevenson who, who had that big jump even above you guys, above short season, extended, whatever, and is, has been successful. Um, we, we got a pretty good team here, and, and um, uh, yeah, I, I don't think I put it in the notes this week, but um, we have, I think, the third most wins or second most wins since 2016 in the entire league. Um, we do a lot of winning here, and I'm, I'm happy for that. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad I can somehow be a part of that. And uh, I think looking at it just this year, um, see, even going back to the, I don't know much about the 2016 team. I know, obviously, a lot about the 2017-2018 team. Um, it, you know, this team is, is, is real good, and I'm, I'm happy with our progress and with what we're doing here in the month, what we did in the month of May, and what we've done this year, because this league doesn't have as many teams as you guys do in the Midwest League or in the Eastern League, so you, you sort of cancel each other out in a way. To be 13 games over 500, it, it's pretty impressive, and I think that goes to tell you uh, how good our staff really is. You mentioned Danny Jimenez. He was a disaster when he opened up the April season with the Lugnuts 2018. And then he just kept on getting better and better to the point where by the end of the year, he was our very best reliever. How is he continuing to yeah. develop with you? Well, I think that that, that slider, um, getting to, to really have it um, develop more shape and, and uh, that horizontal movement. He's really harnessed this fastball. He throws hard, that, that's, and that's all well and good, but you need to still be able to you know, command no matter what anybody says. And, um, and he's done exactly that. And then now because he can do that, now he can throw his slider, and I think he's really focused on those two pitches the most um, and, and getting guys out with those pitches. Um, and slowly but surely, he's been brought into more, as the season's gone along, brought into more high-leverage situations, and he's succeeding, and he's shown that he can succeed. So, uh, and he didn't get off to a great start here, but he is uh, pitching as well as he has um, this point at this point in the year, and I'm, uh, I'm really happy to see that for him. And lastly, this was draft week. How closely uh, attention did you pay to it? You know, not as much as I, I should have. Um, I was a little busy with some stuff <laughs> down here and what was going on, so I didn't get a chance. Uh, mm. I, I mentioned something in our game notes today that about um, Alex Manoa and and, um, and whatnot. Um, I saw him on TV, and they were talking about him on MLB Network before um, he was drafted by the Blue Jays. And I actually said to myself, for knowing, for knowing that he was being drafted by Toronto by us, I, I said, uh, I really like that kid. I don't think he's getting enough credit. So, um it looks like the draft has turned out pretty well, and the Blue Jays got certainly size, right? They certainly got the, the big guys. Um, but, um, I, you know, I, I did get to see a little bit of it, and uh, I'm always, I always like to see the new kids and how they do in, in professional baseball. And who knows, I may see Manoa and, and some of these new kids next year um, here in Dunedin. So we'll see. 
That's the hope. They're taking that Nate Pearson path. Jim, thank you very much. Jesse, thank you. Have a good one. All right. From Jim Tarabokia. And by the way, you can follow him on Twitter, at Jim Tara, voice of the DJs, DunedinBlueJays.com. Let me bring in the voice of the people, Tyler Murray. Tyler, how are you? Jesse, so good because I'm talking to you, man. Thanks for having me on again. <laughs> you bet. Let's talk about your double A New Hampshire Fisher Cats, and let's begin with the Eastern Division Player of the Week, Mr. Forrest Wall. How's he been? Oh, man, Forrest Wall, he just flipped a switch these past couple of weeks. It's, it's just so impressive to watch him work. It's something we looked at last year with Forrest. We're, we're thinking, you know, he's, he does so many things right on the field. A great center fielder is a converted infielder, as you know, and um, a decent consistency at the plate with really good speed, but it, it wasn't happening on a consistent enough basis. But, I mean, a 15-game hitting streak, longest in the league, either active or completed for Forrest Wall. I mean, that's as consistent as you're going to get. And he moved his batting average up from 242 to 303 in the last two and a half weeks alone. So he's been barreling the ball, and if you get him on base, obviously he's always going to be a threat. So he's always been kind of a complete player, but now everything's just kind of jumping off the page at you. So it's, it's been a really good year for Forrest. You first saw him as a visiting player. You first saw him as a Hartford yard goat. Do you feel like he's really developed since then? Yeah, I think so. And it's fun to hear him talk about what it's like to play against his former team. And he says, you know, it's not as if he tries harder than he normally would, but it's kind of fun to be able to talk to his former teammates about the games that just happened and be talking a little trash, even though that's not really uh, the style of, of Forest Wall. Yeah, the one thing that I think he's got a little bit better at is laying off breaking balls down in the dirt. I think maybe if there is one hole in his swing, it's uh, maybe if you throw him a curveball that starts at the knees and winds up in the dirt, still tough to lay off those. But, I mean, who doesn't have that issue uh, with the great pitching we have here in the Eastern League? So that's been impressive to watch. And, uh, yeah, he continues to just develop in every way. Let's talk about uh, some more players with you. And I'm going to switch uh, tacks to talk about your pitching. Because in talking yeah. about this last week, I went through the box scores, and it seemed to me that there were some bullpen losses, that there were some games where things went wrong with the relievers on the mound. But once again, there have been some strong starts out there. Now, Buffalo just had Graham Spreaker get called all the way up from A Advance to AAA to make a start, and make a really good start that we're going to talk with Pat Malacaro all about. But if you were asked to choose any of your starters that you'd say, this guy is ready for the next challenge, who would it be? I think it's got to be Patrick Murphy because of his, right now, big league stuff. I mean, he's got that mid to high 90s fastball. A curveball has been electric for him all, all the way throughout his career. And uh, the other stuff, the, the changeup's coming along terrifically. So I don't know if the Blue Jays want to take their time with him because there's not a whole lot more for me that he needs to do to uh, convince me of a call up to AAA and beyond. Uh, so maybe you just want to stay on that path with him. Uh, if there's a guy that maybe you want to say, you know what, what do we have to lose? Let's kind of let's check him out now. Uh, Yancy Diaz, I would say two out of every three starts, he might be the best pitcher we've seen all year. I mean, you look at some of his recent lines. He had back-to-back outings where it was a seven-inning, two-hit shutout, and it's like, man, when this guy's clicking, nobody can come close to hitting him. And maybe he doesn't have the strikeout numbers of Patrick Murphy because he's not as dominant, but 
he just keeps hitters off balance so consistently, N.C. Diaz. And um, I, I would probably say with those two guys on the 40-man roster, uh, that makes plenty of sense if you want to give a guy a look in the big leagues, which would be pretty unprecedented for us here in New Hampshire anyway, uh, Patrick Murphy and N.C. Diaz. If my memory serves me right, there was a 3 nothing shutout victory over the Bowie Bay Sox that Nate Pearson started. But he only went those two innings because they've got him on that plan, two innings, five innings, etc. Do you still enjoy when you get to see Nate in that truncated span watching him throw those two innings? Yeah, you know, it's a little bit of a tease, just the uh, the two innings from Nate Pearson, but uh, the way our broadcast team is set up, it's been great for my man Tyler Zickel. He gets the big bulky outings for Nate Pearson when he's on the road, and we're actually going to get to, at least we're scheduled to see uh, what would be a longer outing on Sunday as he's scheduled to go. So if, you know, the trend keeps up, he'll get to go five. But uh, I kind of like it's almost poetic. You know, he comes in for two innings, he faces six guys, strikes out half of them, and this is more specific, his most recent start on Tuesday. It's like, yep, I did my thing. Go ahead, bullpen, keep it going. And the Bay Sox, they just they did not stand a chance against him. And that's a lineup that has six of the Orioles' uh, top 30 prospects in it. He handled them with uh, relative ease a couple of days ago. How much attention do you pay to the Major League Baseball draft? Well, to borrow a line from Mike Mordecai, the Fisher Cats manager and a two-time World Series champion, if you're spending your time looking at draft picks, there's something wrong. You've got to focus on the now, okay? But obviously talking about players and not me. So, yes, we, we tried to keep an eye on the, uh, on the draft. And for me, what I saw with their first two picks being big-bodied pitchers, it, to me it just suggested they like what they're getting out of Nate Pearson. A big guy, throws hard played in college, ready to go, if he's healthy, to move up pretty quickly. And I, don't, I don't see any reason to go away from that model. If you're like most of these teams now and you want big league-level power pitching in your starting rotation as soon as possible, I, I like what the Blue Jays did. I'm excited to see Manoa. I know he pitched a lot at West Virginia this year, so maybe uh, not too many innings for him in short season ball. But it's always fun to be able to have those guys in the system where, you know, every five days, even if it is two innings with Nate Pearson, you're going to be blown away by the potential they have. That's what I was thinking when they drafted Manoa. Because Kendall Williams, as a guy coming out of high school, there's going to be a longer path for him. But I'm thinking, this is the Nate Pearson track that he's going to get if signed in time, sent to Vancouver, pitched maybe a couple of innings at a time, make sure that he doesn't throw too much. Then next year, boom, Dunedin. And if he throws well, hey, hello, New Hampshire. And there's, there's a rotation in our league with the Erie Seawolves. Uh, Casey Mize, the number one, one overall pick, uh, from last year's draft is already doing his thing and, in double-A, and they just have so many of those really high draft picks starting pitchers, and they're they're tearing it up here in double-A. And the Fisher Cats are uh, lucky enough that we uh, have not had to face that rotation yet, but that's a recipe, at least in the minors, that's worked for Detroit. So uh, there's definitely a good track record for it if you just load up on really good, quick, moving-up-your-system type pitchers. Tyler Murray, voice of the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, any final thoughts this week? Um, final thoughts would be don't worry about plugging my Twitter. Um, I have not been producing any kind of good content because I'm nervous about the New York Knicks striking out in free agency. So uh, thanks anyway, Jesse. Keep up the awesome work, and uh, we'll tune in to hear Pat Malacaro and company. Actually, Tyler, before you go, I'm glad that you reminded me about your Twitter because my guy Adam Jackson works with me is the latest to say 
man, is New Hampshire turning out great content, and that's you. There are other guys, too. But, man, are you, oh. Tyler Murray, turning out some great content for that New Hampshire Fisher Cat social media? The Fisher Cat's Twitter account. Yes, well, of course, like everything we do here, it's a total team effort. But, I, yeah, I, I made that really bad uh, Zach Logue pronunciation guide through that Star Wars prequel movie. You know, it was a slow Monday or whatever day it was. We, we, the team was off, so why not uh, play around in Photoshop? But, uh, please, yes, thank your staff for the compliments. It's, uh, we do it for people like you. <laughs> the creator himself. Photoshop is a passion. Tyler Murray, voice of the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. <laughs> Find him at Fisher Cats. How does that sound? Uh, that's great. Jesse, thank you again, and we'll talk to you soon, bud. All right. From Tyler Murray in AA New Hampshire, let's go up the ladder to Pat Malacaro, who saw the AAA debuts of Zach Logan, Graham Spraker. Pat, how are you? You're doing great, Jesse. And yeah, two guys that came up and pitched pretty well over the last couple of days and really uh, much needed for this Bison team that uh, needs some starting pitching right now with some injuries and guys getting healthier but not quite there yet. So uh, it was a nice couple of starts from the lefty Logue and then yesterday's right-hander Spraker who, look, he climbed over an organizational rung in the ladder uh, to make his AAA debut and uh, performed very well in doing that. They were both Lansing Lugnuts last year, so I can say to you that both of those guys are splendid human beings. I would love to hear more about their appearances. Graham Spraker, what did you see in watching him throw? Yeah, he was exactly as the scouting report said. He's not going to overpower you, but he lived up in the zone, but because of the cut on his fastball at times, and even when he would pitch down away with some snake down his fastball, he got a scranton Wilkesbury offense, which is the top-hitting team in the International League, they're hitting 278, or we're hitting 278, going into last night's play and just mashing the baseball all over the field. And they really didn't have many answers. So uh, he pitched well. Uh, and that's, that's, I think, an overarching theme is if you pitch, if you pitch in the zone, uh, pitch to contact, a lot of these guys at this level are still trying to just do all or nothing. So you can get a lot of outs if you pitch in the zone effectively in working with a catcher like Reese McGuire who – uh, calls the game very well, um, it, it'll work. You just have to do it and execute it. And for, for Spraker, he did that yesterday. And uh, unfortunately, he got the no decision. One run was given up, and, and the Bisons eventually take the lead and win the game. And he was not in there to, to see it. But um, he did not uh, disappoint at all. Let me stop you on Reese McGuire. So Ken Huckabee came to town, the Blue Jays' catching coordinator. And we're talking about all the different great catching depth in the system. That uh, Riley Adams is a good one in New Hampshire. And Alejandro Kirk in Dunedin. And uh, in the Lansing, it's Gabriel Moreno. And it's more than that. It's Ryan Gold. And it's Alberto Mineo and onward. But he said that Reese McGuire's defensive abilities are just outstanding. What have you seen from Reese defensively? Yeah, I mean, his, his defense is great. Uh, the ability to receive the ball, and I know that's kind of a catchphrase, buzz, buzzwordy type thing, but his ability to steal strikes for his pitchers is one of the things that really has endeared him to guys here. And I know in talking to Justin Schaefer, someone who uh, can live and die with his, uh, with his uh, slider, he has supreme confidence that whatever Reese lays down, uh, either he's going to stop it, he's going to catch it, he's going to make it a strike, and that, that ability – uh, to not worry about it and not have to think about it uh, allows him to go out and pitch better, and uh, we've seen those results for the pitchers. So for Reese, he came up last year and 
offensively, it was a struggle. Uh, in his first year at AAA, first time on the 40-man roster, his offense is better this year, and his defense has never been a question, and that has continued uh, through this year, and the reason why he's the number one catcher here in Buffalo, and, and guys really like working with him. It was something that slipped through the cracks that I want to briefly go back to from a couple of weeks ago. What was it like watching Jordan Patterson on the mound? <laughs> well, he's a guy who was a, was a pitcher uh, in a previous life, um, decided to be an outfielder and, and make that his primary position. But uh, he threw 88, 89, even 90 uh, in his one inning of work. And sure, the headlines, and I know it was all over social media and, and everywhere that he struck out Tim Tebow looking. Um, honestly, it, it could have been anybody up there at the plate. And the fact that he went out there through strikes, uh, through, through fastballs that were faster than most guys, uh, period, um, was, was the amazing thing. And, and to get the strikeout looking was just kind of the cherry on top. And, you know, unfortunately, the reason he pitched is because the game was so lopsided in the other direction. But um, now I guess we know, and it, it was his first time professionally pitching. We know who the Bisons can use in the future. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, Ryan Schoen collected a save, uh, no longer in the organization, <laughs> and Parmley picked up a win. So these are position players that have, factored into decisions before, and uh, who knows? Jordan Patterson might be the next. I love it. A question from Bluebird Banter. How long does Billy McKinney spend in the minor leagues, and will Blue Jays fans see him soon? And before I ask you to answer that, let me go back and say, this week, Billy McKinney, a grand slam, a five-run third inning on June the 4th, three days ago. That led to the 5-4 to four Buffalo Bisons win. So glory for McKinney with one swing. What are your thoughts about the next time that he might return to Toronto? No, there's no question on the defense. I think it'll be just getting that consistency at the plate. He had a couple of homers in the series against Rochester in addition to that grand slam the other day against Scranton Wilkesbury, but it's putting together at-bats consistently, and I think that's the thing that McKinney is struggling to do right now. Um, he collected the grand slam, but then the next night goes hitless. So it's a case where you're going to see some power. You'll see the production. We've seen it at this level before with Scranton Wilkesbury in his time in the A's organization or in the, in the Cubs organization, you've seen the flashes and that's why he has been a prospect and somebody that's been coveted by so many organizations, but putting it all together day after day after day. And maybe it's not necessarily the results, but I, I look back to a guy like Anthony Alford, who he might not, there might be nights where he goes hitless, but he barrels up the ball well. And I think once we see Billy McKinney start to do that again, uh, he would be the next in line. Um, because let's be honest, the Blue Jays, as of right now, have only two true outfielders in the outfield in Toronto um, at any given time. So uh, to add someone like McKinney, who would be the third, uh, he'd be the next guy up. When it comes to excitement in Buffalo, every year I've asked Ben Wagner about Star Wars night. It has come around again. We have arrived. It's Star Wars night coming on Saturday. What do you look forward to? What's the stadium going to be like? Oh, it's going to be awesome. There's going to be more than 16,000 people here. All the laser swords will be illuminated. And quite honestly, 6.05 start time. So just at that twilight when the game ends and all the kids in the stands have their different color laser swords illuminated and to see the on-field fight scene that has been approved by Lucasfilm. This is not something that we just throw together haphazardly. we're not going to be able to kill off a character that is going to be in, a, in one of the movies coming up. So Lucasfilms actually approves our script. And to see the kids' faces as the on-field fight scenes continue, 
Um, it's an awesome night. The Bisons are going to be wearing Boba Fett-themed jerseys. Unfortunately, Boba Fett is not here. It would have been a nice little um, thing to, to add to the mix, but he's not here because of the broken hand. But I know these jerseys this year are, uh, are the favorites of our assistant general manager, Anthony Sprague, who Boba Fett is his favorite character. They look pretty sharp. I, I hope to get my hands on one. We need to figure out a way to give Boba Fett that Luke Skywalker fake hand. That way he'll be ready to go better <laughs> than ever. Oh, that's awesome, Jesse. Pat Malacaro, thank you very much for joining us and talking Bisons. As always, can't wait to catch up next Friday. Beautiful. The voice of the herd at PatWGR on Twitter. And check them at Bisons.com at Buffalo Bisons on Twitter. Let me bring in now my co-broadcaster, my broadcast partner, media relations partner with the Lansing Lugnuts, Adam Jaxa, as the Lugnuts are getting set to take on the Lake County Captain's second leg of a three different city road trip, 10 days, 11 games. And Adam, the road trip began very well for the Lugnuts. Yes, it did, Jesse. Uh, They had to go out and take on a top team in the Eastern Division against the Great Lakes Loons on the road. And the Lugnuts, although they've had their struggles, one on the road and two against teams that are sitting above them in the Eastern Division standings, that was certainly not the case. And it was a fresh change of pace for the Lugnuts, who played outstanding Tuesday, Wednesday, and then last night capturing the series. They won eight to nothing and hit four home runs on Tuesday. On Wednesday, they hit three more home runs outside of a, uh, a bad fifth inning or fourth inning where Josh Hyatt was knocked out and the Loons scored four runs. They lost 6-5 to five and still battled their way back after falling behind by three runs. And then yesterday, again, same thing. Got a great start from, from Troy Miller and then was able to hit a home run, keep the pressure on the Loons, and they completely flipped the script on what Great Lakes did when they came to Cooley Law School Stadium a couple of weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago in a four-game set, the Loons won three of four. They hit nine home runs. Uh, they're a very patient and uh, very good team at the plate. Well, the Lugnuts switched that around, shut down their offense, and it was Lansing on the road in Midland that hit eight home runs in a three-game set. And it's the first time this season that Lansing has won a series against one of the five teams that's above them in the Eastern Division. And they happened to do it against the Great Lakes Loons, who were in first place and had an excellent month of May where they went 22-7. and seven. So, this team's riding on a ton of confidence right now, and we really saw peak Lansing Lugnut baseball over the last three games starting out this road trip. Let's talk Midwest League All-Stars. Five Lugnuts made the All-Star game, but perhaps the biggest story was who didn't make the game, and that was Jackson Reese, the right-handed reliever, who has now gotten promoted up to A-Advanced Dunedin. So before we talk All-Stars, what are the DJs getting with Jackson Reese? Mm, Yeah, it may have been a blessing in disguise that he didn't make the All-Star game so he could get up to gym and the DJs quicker, a team that's already 13 games above 500. they have been rolling all season long. They've been uh, getting great starting pitching and great at-bats. He's going to add another element to the back end of the bullpen. Great movement on his pitches. He's a strike thrower. He's got a ton of confidence right now. And I think the big thing about Jackson Reese, he's just still unknown. This is a guy that's that's undrafted, and the Blue Jays took a chance on him last year. He's a 24-year-old out of California, went to Hawaii, and here he is through the first half of the season. His ERA is like .37. 
He's got over 40 strikeouts. He's got less than five walks. Opponents are batting around 100 against him. I mean, the guy not only shuts down opponents, he only gave up one earned run, but he rarely allows guys to get on base. So does a great job of utilizing all of his pitches and throwing them for strikes, keeping the hitters off balance. And Jesse, he's just a great guy, very humble, laid back, go out there, do your job, do what the coaches need from you. And uh, it's going to be really exciting, just as it has been with the other Lansing Lugnuts that have already been promoted here in 2019 to see if Jackson Reese can stay on that upward pace because it seems like everybody that Dunedin has gotten from the Lugnuts this season, they have continued to excel and take off. So I'm hoping the same thing happens for Jackson Reese. Really unfortunate he doesn't get uh, you know Midwest League All-Star on his resume. He certainly should have been. I have no idea why he's not one. But I think, again, blessing in disguise is now he's headed up to Dunedin and see what he can do at the next level in the Florida State League. Joined by Adam Jackson talking class single-A Lansing Lugnuts. How about the Lugnuts who remain? Five Lugnuts were named Midwest League All-Stars. And let's take each of them in turn. Let's begin with the right-hander, Josh Winkowski. Well, he's been the second most consistent pitcher. He's been the first uh, most consistent starter. I would say the most consistent pitcher has been Jackson Reese. He just got promoted. We just talked about him. Josh Winkowski is uh, just a darn competitor, man. He, he goes out there, and it doesn't matter if there's guys on first, second, or third, or all three bags. He is going to do his best to get out of the inning, um, and he's fun to watch. Uh, you were talking earlier with, with my guy Tyler Logan murray about uh, watching guys every five days in the rotation and getting excited about it. Well, you're really excited to see Josh Winkowski pitch. His ERA is under two. His strikeouts are up. And, again, he almost locks into another level when guys get on base. So it really enjoy watching the way that Josh Winkowski has competed. Remember, you go back to early April. He was the opening day starter for the Lugnuts. He's a guy that was the Northwest League Pitcher of the Year last year for the Vancouver Canadians. He's taken that season where he started to make a name for himself and continue that at the full season level with the Lansing Lugnuts. And guess what? I don't think he's going to be in Lansing much longer as well. He may last till the All-Star game, and then quickly after, he may also get shipped up to Dunedin with how he has pitched at a consistent basis as well. So he's, he's been really fun to watch. Next, Kobe Johnson. Yeah, he's been up and down, Jesse. Um, he, he's a guy that works really well when he's in rhythm and he's getting outs, uh, whether the ball's being put in play or not. He's had some struggles. He's given up seven home runs this year, so guys have been able to hit against him. But I think he does a nice job of throwing it in the strike zone. And as many of the other starting pitchers and pitchers as a whole with the Lansing Lugnuts have started to get more consistent, specifically in these last couple of weeks, Kobe Johnson is trending upwards as well. So don't be surprised. The, the former Florida State Seminole continues to get better and better. And uh, it's fun when he's working well because he's working quickly. You can sense he's in a rhythm and the game just moves along. And he just does a nice job of not going out there doing anything too fancy, but getting the job done and turning things back over to the, to the hitters coming to the plate. And let's put the three position players, we can group them all together, going lightning round with Ryan Gold, Jake Brote, and Nick Podpool. 
Yeah, for sure. We'll start with Nick Podcool. He's got an action glove, really good defensively, utility guy. He played shortstop last night for the first time. He's made some excellent plays at second, short, and third base. We saw him play first base earlier this year. He had a 24-game on base streak earlier this season. If he puts the bat together more consistently, he's going to be a really fun player to watch in the second half. Jake Broat, he's your power guy. Eight home runs for the Lansing Lugnuts. If he can limit the strikeouts, certainly you're going to have power guys that are going to have those high strikeout numbers. But if he can bring that down a little bit, he's a guy that, is almost becoming a must-watch at bat when he steps to the plate uh, because of the way that he swings the bat and because of uh, how hard he's been hitting the ball. Speaking of hitting the ball hard, that is Ryan Gold every time he steps to the plate. I mean, he's a guy that can play first, he can catch, he can DH. Uh, He's leading this team in doubles. Uh, He had a triple last night. He had an opposite field home run in Dayton, uh, a couple of long balls this season. He is starting to see the ball better at the plate and swings it really hard every time he is up. So certainly all worthy candidates getting into the all-star game and representing the Lansing Lugnuts come a couple of weeks from now in South Bend. And then lastly, a question coming your way from Bluebird Banter, and that being about Hagen Danner. Danner's had such a strong road trip so far, those games in Great Lakes. He had three home runs in the first two games, then yesterday an RBI single and an RBI triple. With Danner, and let me quote this question directly, is he coming around with the bat, or was it just a good stretch? Well, it's been a good stretch, and it's not just right now and what we saw in Great Lakes, but Jesse, you and I watched him in Dayton, and that's a series where the Lugnuts won two of three, and you can go back right now and look at the Dayton statistics, and you can see, what did Hagen Danner do in all these games? Well, it wasn't impressive. Uh, but he was hitting the ball really hard. He wasn't striking out a lot. That's the main takeaway you and I started to notice because Danner, his struggles, yes, he hasn't been getting on base, but he was swinging and missing a lot. So he worked with Dallas McPherson, changed up his swing a little bit. He wanted to also work on just being more loose and having fun at the plate, and he started to do that, and we saw that change in Dayton where he was putting hard contacts And unfortunately, the game of baseball, sometimes you can hit it hard, but it can be right at the defender, and it goes down as an out. Well, he started to just hit the ball even harder in Great Lakes and decided, you know what, I'm sick of these guys catching the ball. Let me just hit these over the wall, and I'll hit home runs. And that's what we we saw at the start of the season. We saw him take off with extra base hits and home runs. He had his first home run in this series against Great Lakes since going back uh, about a month. So it was great to see him get going, and then he really took off. So the the answer to that question is yes. I think we're seeing him swing and miss less. He's looser at the plate. He's having more fun. He's swinging at pitches mostly in the zone. So if he can keep the strikeouts down and he can continue his approach that we've seen at the plate, uh, he's a guy that, remember, he's a second-round draft pick. They have high expectations for him. He can show that, but it's got to start – with limiting those swings and misses, and he's started to do that over the last week. Joined by Adam Jackson talking about the Lansing Lugnuts. Adam, I've been asking everybody about uh, their relationship with the draft, how closely they were following it. This is, of course, a trick question with us because you know that I'm the guy that's totally addicted to the draft and draft casting and cannot wait to see who comes up next and then eagerly Googling them. From your side, though, working this first season with the Lansing Lugnuts, How did you look at, experience the draft this year compared to prior years? 
Well, I found out that Jesse Goldberg Strassler is going to tell me every time the Blue Jays have a pick, whether it's pick number one, it's round number 30, it doesn't matter. When the Blue Jays select, if I need to know who it is, just find Jesse Goldberg Strassler's phone. Whether we're in-game, whether we're getting ready for a game, you were on it, which I loved, though. It, it was cool to see every different round, who the guys were taking, find the best names, whatever. I mean, you don't know about every one of these players. There's no way that everyone has seen or heard of all of these players, but it's fun to pick a couple out. And, you know, I'm traditional just like anybody else. I was very interested in the first pick for the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, the first two picks, very excited about the pitchers. Six, six guys. I know a lot of people have, have been talking about those two, but uh, we've talked about Alec Manoa. Looks fun, a fun guy to watch. Hopefully he gets up to Lansing maybe for a little bit this year, if not next year. Um, we'll see what Kendall Williams does out of IMG Academy and, um, you know, how long that takes. He's a younger guy. But I like the idea of going with pitchers first and big pitchers at that, both six six, And, um, you know, hopefully they can just add to the depth in this system because it was apparent that the Blue Jays wanted to – bring in some more arms to add to the farm system. So we'll see how the other guys work out, but um, look like a good crop and I'm excited to see how they develop and where they all end up at the end of this season and then going into next year as well. At Adam Jackson on Twitter, he broadcasts the Lansing Lugnuts games with me and the Lugnuts are on the road taking on second place Lake County through Monday and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday next week, taking on the South Bend Cubs. Adam, thank you. Jesse, thank you. I did want to add one more thing. Tyler Murray, if you are listening, I just wanted to say congratulations on the Twitter feed. I know you guys talked about it a little more, but that was outstanding. I'm all for Star Wars. Lugnuts are having a Star Wars day coming up. Great work from Tyler Murray and the staff uh, over there in New Hampshire. That's all I have, Jesse. All right, Adam. Peace out. There goes Adam Jaxa. Yeah, immediately Adam messaged me that tweet of how do you pronounce Zach Logue's last name? Logue won a Star Wars story that Tyler had used his great Photoshopping expertise to turn out. And it all works out because it's Star Wars night on Saturday, June the 8th in Buffalo, and it's Star Wars night on June 15th in Lansing, Michigan. We wrap up this week with an interview as per the norm, and this time it's with minor league hitting coordinator Hunter Mentz in charge of all of the different hitters in the system, overseeing all of the different hitting coaches. After last year, he was the double-A hitting coach for Bo and Vladdy alongside John Schneider in New Hampshire. Here's Hunter Mentz. This is Jesse Goldberg-Strassler, joined by the Toronto Blue Jays minor league hitting coordinator, Hunter Mentz. Hunter, former broadcaster, former ball player, and now here you are. How do you like this role this year? Uh, it's different. This is uh, the first time I've been in this sort of role where it's a uh, management position type role in professional baseball. So trying to figure out, I think, the best way to go about it, what's right, what's wrong, learning from other people before me that have done it, um, learning from my own experiences as a hitting coach in professional baseball, what I liked, what I didn't like from the coordinators. So a lot of different things, new things, but I like change, I like new things, so it's been fun. How do you evaluate yourself? Um, I think I've done okay. I think the uh, one of the biggest parts of starting a new position is just building the relationships with the coaches and with the hitting coaches especially. So um, we have, I think, five guys that returned from last year. So they were guys that I had relationships with already, but different relationships now and, and just trying to catch up with those guys on a, on a weekly basis and see how they're doing. 
um, seeing what they need, seeing what they don't need. Um, and so I, this is my second time coming through towns. So now it's it's doing things a little bit differently the second time. The first time was is more of an observation of seeing things from a coordinator's role and now it's it's looking at things from a okay now we're a third of the way through the season how can we start to kind of improve on some of the things we want to improve on. The Lugnuts hitting coach is not a returning guy. Logan Bone out of the University of Missouri did you have anything to do with bringing him into the organization? Yeah Logan and I go back a while um, when I was coaching at the University of Missouri I coached there from um, 2011 to 2016 he was on the team for two of the years when when I was there so I got to know him really well then um, I always enjoyed our conversations the work that we did in the cages and he was always even as a player you could tell that he was going to be a coach um, and so we've maintained a relationship throughout the years he was at my wedding um, in January so I, I know him really well and I, I appreciate the work that he does and always have and I, I like his passion and just how much of a teacher he is I think Sometimes in professional baseball, the coaches are, are, in years past, they've been place settings where you just kind of put them out there and, and they just make sure that everything runs smoothly. I think he's a guy that can be a guy that can teach and can help take careers to the next level because he wants to teach and he's not just out there to flip baseballs and, and throw baseballs in BPs. So um, he cares. He really appreciates the players. He likes the relationships that he builds with the players, and that goes a long way. You mentioned your second trip. This is your second trip here. What progress have you seen made between your first and your second trip? Um, so, the first time I was here, they I think they had like 14 hits, 16 hits, 15 hits. <laughs> so, this past time, it, it wasn't quite as good offensively, but there were some good things. I mean, Griffin Conine, he was it's the first time I've seen him in, well, really anybody's seen him this year in a full season team. Um, and he was good, so watching him, watching him progress, and really from uh, from an outsider's perspective coming in, watching and looking and seeing the relationships that Logan has built with the players, um, that's a good sign, seeing how much they trust him, seeing how much he trusts them, seeing the communication going on between the coaches and Logan. Um, I think all that stuff is really encouraging, and, and the product on the field, I mean, it's, it, it is what it is, and it's, it'll come around with work and with progress and time. Um, and trusting that, and, and as a hitting coach, not getting so high and so low because you're playing 140 of these things that you don't want to uh, you, you don't want to get to the point where guys are looking at you for answers with every at bat and with every time they come up to the plate. And so he's Logan's done a good job of helping them finding their own way. And I think if you're a hitting coach, that's you do that, you're in a good spot. You said that Griffin Conine's good. How so? What makes him good? I think the thing that sticks out more than anything is just the strength, um, the strength and the bat speed. And when when he uses it right, when he learns how to um, understand how his swing works, I think that's what he's done over the the 50 game suspension was tough for him, but it was really good for him that he get to got to learn about himself, he got to learn about his swing, he got to learn what works, what doesn't work, and he was able to kind of conquer some of those things that he had been struggling with last year and then through the off season and spring training. So. It was good for him that way. Um, the juice is real. I mean, you've seen it. He's hit a couple opposite field home runs. He hit a ball off the dead center field wall at 109 miles per hour the other day. So you put all that stuff together, and, and it's real power. Um, I think the biggest thing with him going forward is he doesn't chase a ton of pitches, but the biggest issue is just swinging and missing. Um, 
And you're okay with it with a guy that has that sort of juice because if he gets three swings off and in a bat and he hits one of them and swings and misses it too, you like your chances. But um, he knows it, and it's something that he's worked on and wanting to clean up some things with the swing so that he is making more consistent contact. And I think as this season progresses and as his time here progresses, I think that's probably what you'll see is just more consistent contact. Let me ask you about another hitter who's doing good things. We had Alejandro Kirk here earlier this year. How's he faring in Dunedin? Good. He's a stud. He's uh, he's just one of those kids where you don't you don't really worry too much about him. He just he he does his thing. He knows what he needs. He knows what he wants, and you're just there to support him and ask him questions and have him think through critically with what he's trying to do. And he's a true pro. He understands the strike zone. I think what you probably saw when he was here was his at bats just look different than everybody else's, where he doesn't chase borderline pitches. Um, and he gets into good counts, and when he gets into good counts and they throw him a pitch that he can hit, he's going to capitalize on it. And that plays. That plays at higher levels, and um, his biggest thing going forward is is going to be continuing to stick with that. And then he does a good job of handling a lot of pitches in the strike zone, and, and I think his next step is understanding what his hot zone is and where he's doing the most damage and getting his swings off in that area. Lastly, for you overarching looking at the organization what's the stating of the hitting in the Blue Jays system? I think we're in an alright spot um, obviously there's some room to grow we're trying to do some things we're trying to do some things differently look at some things differently trying to figure out how to use the numbers um, in the best way that we can not getting guys too bogged down with the numbers but thinking about practicing differently and and letting the game kind of be the byproduct of the work and trying to immerse ourselves as much as we can into the work, into the development that we have in the work. We've got a bunch of player plans where guys are working on things specifically. So getting them to buy in on what they're struggling with and overcoming some of those deficiencies and embracing the work and embracing the challenge in the work. Because I think what we're trying to get to is if it's not challenging you in practice, then how are we supposed to go out there and compete in a game when we haven't been challenged up until that point? So getting those guys and getting the organization and the hitters within the organization to believe that, buy into that, and then having the coaches do the same thing and push those guys and push them to a limit of, of being uncomfortable to where when they get into a game it becomes easier. Here's wishing you well. Toronto Blue Jays minor league hitting coordinator Hunter Menz. Hunter, thank you. Of course, thank you. And that does it for another week of Around the Nest, Jay talking our way around the Blue Jays organization. Big thanks to Adam Jackson with the Lansing Lugnuts, Jim Tarabokio with the Dunedin Blue Jays, Tyler Murray with the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, and Pat Malacaro with the Buffalo Bisons. Thanks as well to Hayden Godfrey posting on Bluebird Banter and doing so much more, the minor leaguer, Bluebird Banter, and Tom in general. And thanks, too, to our guest this week, Hunter Mentz, the Toronto Blue Jays minor league hitting coordinator. Find us on Twitter at Around Nest. For this week, though, I'm Jesse Goldberg-Strassler, and until next week, enjoy the baseball.